This episode is sponsored by Pet Matrix Premium Canine Supplements. Straight Up Dog Talk is super excited to be partnered with Pet Matrix. After exhausting several other pet supplemental brands, I am now seeing the results that I have always been searching for for Toby and Fitz. Pet Matrix supports all three pillars of canine wellness using their cell matrix delivery. It delivers nutrition directly into the cell. If you're looking for a supplement that pairs with nature and science, look no further and get your dog on Pet Matrix today. Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk, a new kind of podcast where no topic is off limits. We're bringing in experts and owners to have the conversations we should be having as a dog community. Each week, a new guest will share first-hand experiences, educational resources, or professional guidance to help you learn and grow along with your dog. You won't get one perspective here. You'll get them all, because every dog is different and every owner is too. You can follow along on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Straight Up Dog Talk or by visiting www.straightupdogtalk.com. Tune in from any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk. We're back this week with a sadder topic. Today we're going to be talking about pet grief. Today, we're going to be talking about pet loss and the grief that you suffer afterwards. We want to normalize this topic because it's something that every pet owner does experience on a regular basis. We've got Josh here with us today. Hey there. And today's guest is Ness. How are you doing, Ness? I'm good. How about you guys? Thanks so much for having me. I'm good. End of the workday. I'm good, too. Yeah, excited as always. (laughs) So, Ness... Ness and I have a little bit of a different background here. Uh, Ness and I met through Plantstagram, not through Dogstagram. So this is true. We have uh, a little bit of a different relationship as far as how social media works for us. So if you're interested in seeing beautiful plants of all kinds, give uh, Ness a follow. We'll provide her socials on the episode details here so you can check out her plant account. So unfortunately, recently, Ness lost her dog, Rex, and we're going to get to that topic in a minute. But to start out, I would really like for Ness to just kind of tell us about Rex and, you know, how, where did you get him, um, what kind of dog he was, just some of his personality quirks. Just let us know what kind of dog he was. Sure. So um, I got Rex as a puppy he was a um well, interesting enough i i grew up rescuing dogs and rex was actually the only dog that i ever got from a breeder um and he was a purebred boxer um he was kind of this um i mean he was fawn and white but he was really this beautiful red color and i picked him out when he was two days old from uh pictures that the breeder had sent me um Originally, I had wanted a brindled female, and I was absolutely set on that. But when the breeder sent me the the pictures of the seven puppies uh, in the litter, I saw him and knew I had to have him. Um, his whole litter was named after characters in Toy Story. So we obviously <laughs> kept the name Rex. Uh, there was Ham, Slinky, Woody, Bun, a uh, couple, couple others. Um but, um, you know, growing up, I had Dalmatians, and so he was my first boxer. Um, and, you know, we got him when he was ready to come home, probably at nine or ten weeks. He was, he was a young puppy when we got him. Um, and I was in my early 20s. I'm in, you know, approaching my late 30s now. So he pretty much was there throughout most of my adult life. He was the only dog that I've had on my own as an adult. Um, and, um, he was, he was a really, really pretty awesome dog. Uh, he was pretty wild, definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> he had a lot of quirks. He was absolutely insane. A lot of energy, as most boxers do. Um, he required a lot of training and, uh, even with all his training, he was one of those dogs where people came in through the door and he just wanted to be up in your business uh he would i would say he was a little bit naughty he would he would jump uh we had to train our guests not to 
give him any attention uh, until he settled down. Um, and he was just, he was my best friend. He moved everywhere with me. He's been through breakups. He's been through countless moves with me. Um, he went through nursing school with me together. He really did everything. We, we, we've evacuated through wildfire together. We did everything together. Um, and it's one of those things. My husband works for the fire department and having a dog at home, there's a little bit, there's a level of comfort that comes with having a dog, um, when you're home. And it's just one of those things that I'm still not really used to, uh, is just not having a dog, you know, and yeah, he would bark at stuff all the time. And, um, you know, he was just a really, really wonderful dog. We have a really long list of memories together. Boxers are definitely a more of energetic breed for sure. They, they take a lot more time and effort and training than most dogs, but I completely understand where you're coming from. Fitz is the same way when people come over, he just barks at people and I have to tell people don't ring the doorbell just come in walk up the stairs ignore him and he's gonna bark for five minutes and then after that he's gonna be your best friend so I completely understand that you know a little bit of naughty behavior but sometimes you know you kind of just gotta let your dog be your dog at the same time yeah I can't say I blame them for wanting to be part of the action (laughs) Artemis my dog uh she she will get upset at people if they go into the kitchen or into the bathroom. They have to come into the house, go directly to the couch and say hello to her. I don't even have to go anywhere. Artemis comes to me. Like yeah. she's just like right there in my face, say hello as soon as I'm here. But I think she kind of just expects that because I'm here so much. Yeah, Bear too. Yeah. Every time he comes over, she loses her mind. She definitely has her people, that's for yeah. sure. Dogs are more funny. Mm-hmm. Yes. When we talked the other day about Rex, you mentioned some things about him that were just some kind of funny st- stories. Um, let's touch on those things, like how he was a picky eater, how he was a food thief. Just, just give us an idea of what life with Rex was like. Sure. So, um, I think one of the stories that I was kind of telling you about was um, for a short stint of time for a year, we lived in an apartment together Um, and I would come home on my lunch break. I would come home after work and, and uh, he would, and he would be there. My apartment was tiny. I could see the entire apartment when I walked in through the front door. Uh, But on one particular occasion, I came home and I couldn't find them. Um, And you know, it's not like there was anywhere for him to go. It was an apartment. Um, but one of the one of the most hilarious things about Rex was he could open doors. Um, he what literally could open the doorknobs, the kind that are more of like a lever that you would push down on to open. He could open those. Um, he could open them and push them. He could open them and pull back. He could stand on two legs and pull open the door. Um, and when I lived in my apartment, I had to keep my bathroom door closed because he knew how to get into the trash, even though it was under the sink. Um, and as gross as it sounds, he really liked to use tampons and stuff like that. Um, for being a picky eater, um, he liked that kind of stuff and I just never really understood it. But, um, I came home and I couldn't find him and I go to check the bathroom and the bathroom door's locked and I'm, I, I, it's the kind where you take one of the skewers and you can like pop it open the the lock and I walked in and he had locked himself in the bathroom um, <laughs> I think the door had probably closed just enough behind him and he was trying to to get out and he locked himself in and of course the trash was everywhere um, there was another occasion where um, he uh, got a little anxious when I was gone and he chewed up all of those you know the the blinds that hang over your slider he chewed up all of those um luckily the the maintenance guy i w- was really nice to him i always said hi and he just went ahead and replaced them for free and then <laughs> from that point on i like tied them up and put them to where he couldn't have them and the blinds were always open that's just how we had to live after that um <laughs> and um oh and he would steal my chapstick always 
always steal my chapsticks off the table. Like they, I don't, and they're like the, the blue chapstick brand. He was obsessed with them. If I left them, if I turned my back for five seconds, he'd be eating my chapstick. So uh, between chapstick and tampons, um, I, I, yeah. Um, and he was one of those dogs. He was like, he was like a pogo stick. Like he would jump so high over the fence. Um, so we had a pretty decent sized fence. It was a six foot fence with two additional feet of lattice, but he could still jump high enough to where if he were walking by, you could see his head just like bouncing up and down over the fence. <laughs> and I mean, this dog was, he was just all muscle. He was like, had like no fat on his body. Um, and that was probably because he was such a picky eater. He only, he would, he would starve to death if we didn't just leave food out. Like he would, he was a grazer. He would come take a few pieces of kibble, probably drop a few pieces of kibble on his way. You know, he, he would snack and run a lot. Um, and, uh, he was just a real, real cool dog. That's funny that you mentioned that he thieved your chapstick because last night I was outside and Toby really wanted to come inside, but Fitz was not done playing fetch yet. And I came inside and I had left a gift bag that my sister had brought me on the dining room table, which is something that I don't normally do because Toby is a thieving little bandit. Mm -hmm. And he got his head stuck in the handle of the gift bag and (laughs) ripped the gift bag open and you know what he was going after? Chapstick. I don't know what's in it besides, you know, whatever petroleum jelly that they, they like so much. Um, but, it, you know, he wouldn't, he would turn his nose up at treats, like dog treats. And I never understood it. And, you know, he definitely was a quirky dog. And um, we did a lot of stuff together. He loved car rides. He would jump in the shower with me. Uh, that was something that he liked to do. And I'm like, well, I guess you're getting a bath right now and it actually made it pretty easy to keep him clean (laughs) yeah my uh my first dog oliver uh would steal uh my wife's underwear that's pretty common that's pretty common honestly the like two things that we pull out of small dogs stomachs are socks and underwear some of the scarier things were pantyhose out of a shih tzu and ponytail Yeah. Oh, and the ponytail and ponytail holders, holders because yeah. they get tangled up, and they're so small and easy enough to swallow. I can imagine, and they're usually laying around. At least in my house, they are. Dogs eat crazy things like the tampon thing. That's actually pretty common. Baby diapers, plastic bags, oh. toilet paper rolls. Yep. Dogs Shoes. are kind of maniacs. Shoes. Yeah, shoes <laughs> tend to get more destroyed than actually swallowed, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We we did have to bring Rex to the vet once because of the tampon issue, and uh, luckily it uh, made its way out on its own. If you know what I mean. <laughs> That's. That's good. It's always better when it comes out on its own, and you don't have to do emergency surgery to remove it. That's for sure. I think that this is a good time to put this note in for the listeners. This is why, as a vet tech, I 100% always tell people, do not give your dogs rope toys. Mm -hmm. Because ropes shred, they get stuck in the intestines, and they knot the intestines up, and then you're spending thousands of dollars on surgery. Get something that your dog, you know, a Nyla bone, uh, a the bark boxes with the the indestructible toys. If you have a chewer, give them something that's harder to chew up. Don't give them something that they can shred and swallow and mess up their intestines with. Absolutely. The the all of the shreddable toys were not even an option for Rex. He loved to <laughs> chew on stuff. Um, you know, sometimes it was his dog bed, but um, what are you gonna do? <laughs> was Rex a was he a fetcher? Was he a walker? What was what was his gig? No, he was a horrible fetcher. Absolutely <laughs> horrid. Horrid. Our cat is a better fetcher than he ever was. I mean, he would go run after the ball and then look at it and then just never bring it back. Um, so I got a lot of exercise out of it. Uh, and eventually <laughs> I just gave I eventually I just gave up. Did he like to go on walks? He did. He loved to go on walks. He loved to go to dog parks. Uh, we did have a couple of uh kind of more scary um, incidents that happened at a dog park. And we did eventually stop going um, where he got his ear uh, kind of banged up by a dog. But um, for the most part, he 
loved being out and he loved going for rides. He loved going to the beach. There was one particular beach that um, we would take him to here uh, in Stone County called Pinnacle Gulch. And you have to hike in, I don't know, maybe a mile each way. Uh, but it, completely, it was completely enclosed beach, super protected, and no one was ever there. And so he would go, he would run around like mad and he would come home absolutely exhausted and um when i was single and needed him to go on walks i hired a dog walker and that was those were usually the only days where he came home and was out like a light otherwise he was always just kind of zooming around shout out to the dog walkers i used to be a dog walker and i know how valuable that is especially now because fitz is so active that there are days i took a class recently and i had to hire my dog walker to come over and play with fitz because he's so hyper he won't allow me to get anything done and she would come over and just wear him out for 30 minutes and then he would pass out for three hours till she came back and do it all over again (laughs) i was pretty picky about uh who i hired as a dog walker for rex because he was such high energy uh that i was so incredibly terrified that he would get loose get hit by a car or something um but i did end up finding a pretty wonderful dog walker and a lot of the pictures i have of rex came from her um i would say 50 percent of those like kind of professional quality photos okay probably more like 90 percent of the professional quality because <laughs> um, mine were like selfies and, you know whatever cell phone I had at the time which 13 years ago was not that great mm-hmm. um but so many of my photographs that I have of him um came from my dog walker she would send them to me she also was you know who boarded him at her house and you know he would sleep in her bed or he would sleep in her dog's bed that's usually how it worked out eventually they ended up figuring it out and be able to both squeeze into the dog bed her dog and my dog and um her dog actually kind of looked a little bit like Fitz. um but it it was one of those things where so many in fact including the picture of him on your website um for the podcast um came from our dog walker and for reference that picture on the website when you guys are scrolling through the catalog of dogs rex is the boxer with the love bug heart-shaped like little ear toggle things headband thing on his head it's absolutely darling when she sent me that photo i was like that is the one that's going on the website because it is too cute it was obviously around valentine's day that he went on that (laughs) dog walk because all of the dogs were dressed up in either peeing or some sort of valentine themed um attire i just i thought it was one of the just adorable photos we had another person uh, submit a photo of two of her dogs and it's got Christmas scenery in the background like I don't care what the background is as long as your dogs look good for the website that's all that matters right I used to make Rex pose in front of my Christmas tree and take a picture of him every year um, obviously this was before I had kids because Rex preceded me having kids um, I have two daughters now who are 10 and 6 but I, I mean I, I would have him pose in front of the Christmas tree and you know I never did send out Christmas cards but I probably should have I when I was pet sitting and dog walking I sent out professional cards with Toby and I for several years because my business closed like right after I got fit so he was never on any of the professional ones but I think we still have one on our fridge you probably do yeah yours and uh, Jens's with her and the dog the dog Christmas cards. They're the best, right? Yeah. Like, and, and like not? years and years later, they're still on my fridge. <laughs> they're collectibles now. That's right. Exactly. I think I still have like five or six of them in a box somewhere, which is really terrible, but true. All right. Now we're going to get into the harder part. So you lost Rex in August. Is that correct? Or September? Uh, September. So um, we put him down on September 8th. Um, his birthday was at the end of August. Um, and he had just turned 13. What led you, other than his age, obviously 13 is pretty good for a boxer, but what led you to the decision that it was time to let Rex go? Because I know that you had a, a veterinarian come to your house Right. And do the euthanasia in your home, which is a special thing that we will 
talk about again here in a minute. But yeah, let's talk about how we got to that point. So kind of going back to, um, you know, I, I guess you can call it his misbehavior of him jumping on guests when they came over. Um, as much as it was one of the things that drove me insane, it was one of the things once it stopped happening that I knew he was going kind of in a downward spiral. Um, he had had some arthritic flares um, where we had to take him to the vet. Um, it was pretty scary, actually. Uh, a few times we had to take him in and, and get him um, fluids and like actual, you know, like pain medications. And um, and then he would go back to normal. Um, but it was one of those things where he, he was starting to lose energy he wasn't jumping on people which was not because of my great training that's for sure um <laughs> but he was starting to slow down um I noticed that he was starting to definitely get some pretty severe cataracts uh we had biopsied I don't even know how many lumps and bumps on him Nothing that was really indicative of cancer, but eventually we stopped biopsying because we knew that in his age, you know, he was probably 11 or 12 at this point when we made the decision that if one came back cancerous, there was not anything that we were going to do except for just keep him comfortable. Uh, but towards the end, I mean, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even give you an estimate of how many bumps um, of various sorts. Some were like mast cell tumors, some were fatty tumors, um, some were just like really obnoxious um you know, an annoying skin tags on his ears. One was on his eye. You know, he was, he was kind of, you know, slowly starting to fall apart, but he still had good energy. And so we kind of went about our daily lives and, um, I kind of noticed that he was starting to lose weight. He was always kind of a picky eater and he was always kind of on the skinny side. And so when I really started noticing, you know, his hip bones starting to show and, um, he, he was definitely deaf. By the time we put him down, uh, he could be three feet from you and he could be, you know, yelling, you know, rex, 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 absolutely nothing. He wouldn't even acknowledge that you were there. And I'm pretty convinced that he was mostly blind by that point. Um, and all those things considered, you know, and he, he was starting to lose his bowels and, his, and, you know, and, and not being able to control his bladder. And that wasn't even really the stuff that bothered me. I mean, just get a carpet cleaner. That's not, we own one. Um, but what did it for me was um, his legs were starting to give out. I I started to see him fall. Uh, and it was getting to that point where I really struggled with it because he fell so many times in front of me. And I just wondered, like, when I'm home, is he falling and not being able to get up? There was one time he fell down the stairs where our, our we live on a sloped backyard so to get down to the backyard you have to go down I don't know maybe five steps and he was starting to fall down those steps he um, was starting to fall and take longer to get back up um, and there was one day where I didn't think he was getting back up um, sorry it's okay take your time and I knew it was coming and the difference was that you could tell he was in pain he couldn't really like sit down all the way i'm sure and you probably saw dogs where like when they're in pain and arthritic they they can't even really sit down all the way they're like not really standing they're not really sitting they just seem like they can't get comfortable and the day that he couldn't get back up i you know he he fell and i just couldn't deal with the thought of what if he falls and he doesn't get back up and he breaks the hip and then the end of his life is this traumatic trip to the emergency that um it just wasn't something that i wanted for him but you know arranging for a vet to come to the house kind of on a on a scheduled basis was not really easy either you in some ways i think i was hoping that he would just go on his own um you know that i would wake up and that he would have pass peacefully in the night but in pure rex fashion that just wasn't going to be how you went out um i've actually been uh dreading the same thing both of my yorkies um just well my first one got up with my wife went downstairs got into the kennel you know that's kind of his safe area we just kept the door open 
she left for work and by the time I came downstairs he had, he had just passed um which was easier I I you know I can't imagine I mean I'm, I'm sure every dog owner has that what if you know um so I can't imagine uh what you've been through in making that decision do you think since you are a medical professional that that contributed you know kind of to your to your ability to look at rex and say okay it's time for some hard math yeah um so one of the things i did um earlier on in my career was i did a lot of um oncology nursing and some end-of-life care in the hospital um and in more recent times you know um there a bill called death with dignity where basically it's the equivalent of euthanasia in animals that are at their end of life but in humans they recently passed the bill in oregon and i believe that it's coming here to california um and it was one of those things where I saw so much suffering at the end of life with those cancer patients where there was really like no out for them. Um, they just had to wait it out. Um, and we made them comfortable and, but there's no equivalent of, you know, some sort of, you know, like hospital, you know, IV and I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to extend his life just to extend his life. Um, I really struggled with when, the right time was um sorry you feel in so in my kind of my heart I felt if I did it too soon I was almost like murdering him like and I don't know how to describe it and I know that wasn't the case but you go through this internal struggle where you you want them to be comfortable you want them to be in a better place um but then if I waited too long and he fell and he got hurt then that was going to be the end of life that I didn't want for him I didn't want to have to hurt him putting him in the car taking him to the vet and i and i didn't want i didn't want him to be scared um i wanted him to be i wanted him to be at home with me and i i wanted to do it um on our back deck because he liked to lay out there in the sun it didn't quite work out that way because it was cold that day but um it was one of those things where i I find it hard to ask um, a friend of mine for um limiting two veterinarians who would come to the house and um, one of them specialized only in end-of-life compassionate care and he was a retired veterinarian and um you know he had this cute little business card that you know very you know no website he's just like old like sweet retired veterinarian and um i dreaded making the phone call but i knew that with kind of winter coming around the corner it was one of those things where I, I i bet rex could have lived maybe another month or two um but at what cost it was get it, it was getting colder he was just going to be in more pain um and i wasn't willing to put him through any more suffering and i wanted it to be on good terms when he went i wanted him to be in a place that he knew a place that he loved that he spent the bulk of his years um, because we finally settled in this house when my daughter, our first daughter, was two years old. I mean, we've lived in this house for eight years. So he spent the bulk of his life here. Um, I finally decided to make the phone call to the vet that I picked out of the two business cards that I was given. Um, And the reason that I picked the vet was because it very clearly on his business card was like end of life care. And it's not one of the things that you can really Google. I tried uh, because I'm pretty good at Googling and finding things. And there just really was not, um, there's just just not really that kind of surface offered uh, frequently, at least not in our area. Um, And I couldn't find, you know, any resources for it. Um, So I was, fortunate that my friend had personal you know had a personal um experience with these particular vets and the the vet he I knew he was good when he had just gotten out of oral surgery uh and he texted me back uh, as soon as he got out of oral surgery when he got my voicemail um wanting to know how soon I needed it um and told me hey if you think that you need it in two days I probably be up and running and feeling better in two days um which i 
thought was really sweet because if I had just had oral surgery, I would probably be like, you know, I'll talk to you never. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that I had to decide was how soon and, and I felt myself having to, and this is not by any means anything that the vet did or said to make me feel this way, but I think for my own conscience I had to explain why I am in essence like scheduling the death of my dog um and saying it's not urgent and it I guess wasn't urgent but it was one of those things where I ultimately decided that that was what needed to happen for me to do to to be my last kind of act of love for him um and so I knew that I wanted to do it on a day where things were calm around the house. Um, we had been having some construction done on our backyard and um, our contractor had wanted to come the day that he was getting put down. And I said, absolutely not. There will be no other people here besides me, my husband. Um, and I had offered to my daughters, particularly my older one, uh, my 10 year old, Vienna, um, you know, I asked her if she wanted to be there. Um, I was probably her age when I started being present with childhood dogs that we would have to put down for, you know, various reasons. Um, but she was very adamant that she did not want to be there. I don't think she's a pretty sensitive kid and I don't think it would have been really great for her psyche. So we opted to do it on a Friday morning, um, when the kids were in school um, kind of mid-morning and, um, you know, the vet checked in with me, you know, a few days prior and said, are you absolutely certain that this is, you know, when you want to do it? Um, no pressure if it's not. Like, I will work on your timeline. Um, you know, the guy probably talked to me for an hour. Keep in mind, he just had oral surgery. And the guy talked to me for probably an hour the first time I talked to him on the phone. Um, it was one of the most amazing things because not everyone that you can not everyone can you talk to about dogs some people are like well it's a dog or you know they don't understand that you know what a dog that you've had for 13 years has been through everything has been through me going to college went through me getting married moving a million times having kids like i there is really nothing in my adult life that was of really any significance that happened before him um and it was one of those things that I don't think that anyone else besides this particular vet could have really kind of calmed me and made me feel like I was making the right choice because I wasn't really sure if I was making the right choice. And my husband would ask me, like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? I mean, he was our dog, but he was my dog, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I finally had to tell him, you, you have to stop asking me that. You cannot keep asking me that because I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I've made a decision. This is what I want to, first of all, applaud you for one, making the decision that you made, because that line is a very fine line between giving them a life that is sustainable and comfortable and painful and just unhappy for them. You don't want them to live in that misery. My my dog Cajun had a degenerative joint disease. Yeah. He was going through a lot of the same things, falling, falling downstairs. And, you know, ultimately that's why I ended up losing him. And it, it is a hard decision to make and to know where that line is. The second thing that I want to applaud you for is for inviting your children to participate because... Like you said, that dog was part of your family. Yeah. Rex was not just a dog. That's an owner, a non-owner etiquette thing that I'd like Absolutely. to know. You don't ever just say to somebody, it's just a dog. If you don't understand, if you don't have a dog, if you don't have a relationship with a pet, you don't say, it's just a dog, it's just a cat, it's just a bird. Emotional connections are made with our pets. They become our children, our family members. And allowing your daughters to make that decision is something that 
I think is just really important. As a young child, I was not given that decision when my first dog died when I was 16. Um, and it, I really struggled with that for a long time. I didn't realize it until later in life that that's what I was struggling with, but it, it hurt me in a way that I can't, couldn't have explained back then. And so giving your daughters the opportunity there was just, that's something that I really, really think was very strong and very brave of you. Thank you. I, I mean, it's one of those things too, as a parent where you never really know if you're doing the right thing. And that's kind of how I felt with, with, with that in particular. And just in general, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Rex was my baby. Also, he's like my firstborn. I mean, we did everything together. Um, he in my bed. Like, I mean, he was my baby, um, always under the covers, like total dead dog. <laughs> um, but he, it, it, it was one of those things where when I made the decision and it, it was about a week out when we like set the date, um, but there's nothing like having a countdown to your dog's death. It was one of those things where I would walk downstairs in the morning because at this point you couldn't even, you couldn't even get up the stairs. Um, but it was one of those things that I felt so guilty walking down the stairs and knowing like we're one day closer or one day closer. And like, he didn't know it. Um, and that was one of the things I was really scared of was knowing when the vet came and that he was probably going to have that one more burst of energy because this vet was going to be someone new and exciting. And when someone is new and exciting, that is when Rex has the most energy. He, and I was very thankful for the vet that we talked about. I said, I just have this feeling that when you get here, he's going to have like a short stint of like puppy like behavior where he wants to know who you are, wants to know what you're doing here. And I'll like, I'll never forget, you know, it was Teddy, it was when it was scheduled and the vet was really punctual. And I didn't know if I wanted that or didn't want that. I didn't want if I wanted him to be early or late. Or, uh, and I knew because we live on a dead end street, I knew that when a car rolled up around 10 a.m. And it wasn't a car I recognized. It wasn't our car. It wasn't our neighbor's car. That that was Dr. Brown was the vet's name. Um, and I couldn't even greet him at the door. I had my husband do it. And um, I was just laying with Rex on the living room floor, literally right where right I'm on the living room floor right now. And um, I think though that Rex knew once he kind of sniffed the vet what was happening because he kept trying to get away from me and um that was hard but eventually we kind of got him to settle in um and I, like our den it's like, i don't know it's like a hodgepodge of my plant room versus like kids distance learning room playroom like i don't know what kind of room it is but it's like the your like your extra room that you have downstairs sometimes and um we could have done it outside because one of the things that you know the vet warned me about was that when they pass that a lot of the time they you know evacuate their bowels or their bladder and um but at that point I just was like I don't care I want him on my lap I want him to be as close to me as possible like none of that stuff matters I mean I'm a nurse first of all so none of that stuff matters to me anyways but definitely my dog I wanted to hold him until like the very last moment um and you know it had been a long time. I was probably a teenager the last time I was there with a dog, you know, with one of my dogs that we put down. And um, I kind of forgot the process. Like, of, you know, they give up, you know, the tranquilizer to, like, calm them. And then once they're asleep, then they give them, you know, the meds that, you know, ultimately, you know, stop their heart. And, you know, he fought the tranquilizer. So he did end up needing a second dose, um, which was crazy because it was, you know, he was such a fighter until the end. Um we were basing the dose, you know, the vet, I'm pretty sure based the dose on his most recent weight, which, you know, he had lost a ton of weight since then. Um, you know, he was just skin and bones by the time that happened and just gray all over. And, you know, once he was asleep, um, just like that feeling of, you know, he was so heavy in my lap. Oh, I just won't forget that. Like his, like patting his head and his ears were so soft and that was one of the things I always like loved about it like his ears were so soft and 
you have that moment like in the midst of it like wondering am i still doing the right thing but it, it suddenly you know it's kind of a blessing that it was like it's too late it has to be done and the you know the vet was like so incredibly patient he let me have as much time as i needed with him beforehand and then when he did pass and he was gone and he checked oh. and he you know let me check with his stethoscope too i mean i, I believed him like rex was gone but you knew i was a nurse and he was like do you want to listen sure i mean they wouldn't even know where to really check a dog part of it you know i did it where i saw the vet do it it was one of those things where all at once you realize that like there's just like a million things in the house that are gonna remind you of that like like they're like six feet away from me was his food bowl where we would free feed him because he was like the world's worst eater like he would wouldn't finish a bowl of dog food to save his life and his water bowl and I could see his leash, you know, on the table outside. And it was, I just, it was overwhelming. It was great for the vet. He came to the house and I was like, working this. I was the biggest mess. Like, if you didn't know me, you would think like, like a human relative had died. But that's how hard it hits you when they have been with you for that long. Like, I was with me longer than my, like, than my, like, blood-born, like, human children. Oh, you know, I one of the things I think I'm the most grateful for that I don't think I mentioned. I um, the vet and he guided me as to I knew I wanted him cremated. Um, as a kid, we lived on property and we we would bury every dog, cat, rabbit, chinchilla, and wolfish um, in the yard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like <laughs> we would bury the random like rescue field mice that got injured and but that make it, and we'd bury them too. And every animal had a, a rock or a tombstone or a something to, and you know, so you know, I, I feel for those people that bought that property. Um, <laughs> right, sorry, not, hope you're not planning on putting a deck in. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't look out back. That's right. Don't, definitely don't look in the flower boxes, guys. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, you know, so like I said, our backyard was being torn up. Um, I, I had nowhere to even bury him. And honestly, I don't even think that's legal in like city limits here. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. I mean, not like anyone's going to know, but I'm pretty sure it's legal within city limits here to like bury a body like, of an animal, you know, in, in your yard. Um, but I knew that I wanted him to be planted under a tree. Um, not much I knew. And so, you know, a, a week ahead of time, I called our our local vet and had arranged to um, get his paw prints back and for him to be cremated and returned to me. Um, so that in spring, when our backyard is done being, you know, torn apart by tractors, um, I'm going to buy a, a mimosa tree, which is this beautiful, like, orange and pink blooming tree that I've wanted for the longest time and it's going to be reckless tree um but that vet coordinated getting Rex to the vet after he was put down um my husband and I did not have to take him which was one of the things that I am eternally grateful for because I don't think I could have gotten in a car with his lifeless body. I don't think I could have done it. And I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want my husband to bring him and then be alone at home. And so the vet um, brought him to the vet's office um, for him. And it was, quite honestly, it was one of the, if I ever have to do it again, which I'm sure I will, because I've got five cats. Uh, thankfully, they're all pretty young. But if I ever have to do it again, I absolutely would have that thing. Well, I don't know. He, he's probably could really be retired pretty soon. He was probably in his 80s. But um, I would absolutely have a vet come again because it was, I just think, the most humane way to do it in that situation. I mean, I guess cats are a little bit easier. But um, I cried and I cried and I cried um, all day. And then... I think my husband and I, um, he was like, you got to get out of the house. 
got to get out of the house. So we went to this little wine bar like down the street and um, it was kind of like on and off crying there. So, they, you know, these people at this wine bar probably thought it was insane. But um, the bartender was like, hey, I just had to put my dog down too and, you know, bought me a drink. And so I guess that I, you know, I didn't feel alone in the sense that it hit me that hard. Um, I know other people go through it. It's just maybe not something that we talk about uh, as often. Um, because I think that there's some judgment as to how long does it take you to get over a dog's death? Um, I, I can tell you that this July will be 10 years since I put Cajun down and it still hurts. It's not something that you ever get over. It's something that you learn to live with. Yeah. I mean, I still think about my dogs from when I was a teenager, like they were so special and it's one of those things where I don't have photos of those dogs and even some of the photos of Rex from when he was a puppy have gone missing and it's torture it sounds like you had really great support though both from the doctor that came to your house and from your vet uh you were talking about getting the paw print and um that is so important for pet owners you don't want to think about end of life um, at all, but the, the reality of owning a dog or a cat or, or any animal, unless it's a tortoise is that, <laughs> well, they'll outlive you. If it's right, right, right. <laughs> That's the point is that you will probably outlive them. Um, and it's one of those things to discuss with your vet, maybe during the, the year checkup when they hit eight, nine, 10, um, when my first dog Oliver passed away, um, they were still, my vet was still doing both the like clay paw print thing, but they were also doing an ink, um, which when my second dog passed two years later, um, they were no longer doing the ink like paw print. And I didn't know, like I, I hadn't thought to check. I hadn't. And I actually have the paw print of, my first dog tattooed on me and I have space for the other one. But by that point now I have to figure out basically a time where I'm going to get poster putty and I'm going to put it in his, you know, his imprint and then I'm going to roll that on ink. You know, it's just one of those things to, to think about what will you want to remember them by, you know, you talk about pictures and things like that. And I have, pictures of all three of my dogs, you know, here or gone, um, up in my office. Um, but there are things that I wish I had thought about beforehand, you know, and it's, it's the same with people, you know, you always think, oh, I wish I would have done this with that person or, or whatever, but. And there is things with people that you have to do ahead of time as well, right? Where you have to pick out a coffin and all those things that nobody wants to do. But it's the same with a pet. You have to figure that stuff out ahead of time or you it may not happen. And I knew I absolutely was not going to let it happen where I did not get him back. Um, he is going to be a part of our home forever. It's exactly. It, it, you get to bring that piece of them home. And it's funny that Josh mentioned his tattoo because I also have Cajun's paw print tattooed on me. I actually already went ahead and got Toby and Fitz's tattooed on me as well. They're on Instagram. If anybody wants to check them out, they are rainbow paw prints. They're on my arm. Um, You know, they say that you're supposed to carry your heart on your sleeve. And so I do. Like you said, it's not something that we talk about a lot, which is why I wanted to have you come on. Because grief, it's normal. It is a process. It is something that every pet owner, every person who has, you know, family or friends or children is going to go through. It just hits different when it's that first dog. Because Cajun for me was also the dog I got in my early 20s and made it through, you know, like my mid 30s with me. He went through moving to three different states. He went through vet tech school with me. He went through marriage. He went through divorce. There were children. Then there were not children. I mean, that's that's your whole life encapsulated in one living being that 
when they're gone, they're gone. So I think that it's beautiful that you're getting a tree to plant his ashes in because now every time when you look out your window, like it's gonna bring those memories back to you. And that's that's part of the grieving process is going through that and remembering those things and remembering those funny quirks and remembering that he stole your Chinese food off the dining room table. <laughs> and much more. <laughs> and much more. Um, unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up for this episode, but I really appreciate you coming on here and being so open and so honest about your emotions. I do think that the resources are not out there for the in-home vets. It's just not right. something that's as practiced. So I think that I'm going to have to do some investigation. If you wouldn't mind sending me the gentleman's information, just so maybe I can reach out to him and see what he recommends for other resources. Because again, this is an area that I would like to provide resources for people in. Obviously, this is going to be a state to state thing. And touching back real quick, I think it is illegal in most states to bury your dog in the backyard. So maybe maybe don't do that until they're cremated, because I'm pretty sure there is a fine associated with that. Yeah, but, I can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I will do some more research and maybe we'll have another episode um, where we can actually talk about what you should do in those end of life care stages. Maybe we can get a veterinarian involved or something. But that's that's definitely for a future episode to come. I just checked in in Iowa, as long as you own the property that you, bait, that you bury them on, you can bury your dog. Oh, well, there you go. So don't go bury them on someone else's property. Right. I, <laughs> I just want In Cedar Rapids, where we live, it is illegal to kiss a complete stranger. Well, that's really boring. <laughs> that's pretty boring. <laughs> Again, thank you, Ness, so much for coming on and just pouring your heart out about this. I know it hasn't been that long since you lost him and... I'm just really grateful that you were willing to talk about it. And um, hopefully this episode will help others realize that this is a normal process and there is support out there, especially in this community. And again, as always, if there are any of you out there that are going through this, please feel free to jump in the DMs or email me, hit me up on the website, whatever you want, because I am a retired vet tech. I've been through this so many times with so many people. I've been through it personally. It is not easy, and I never want anybody to feel alone when they're going through this. So join us next week with hopefully a much happier topic. And thank you again, Ness, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for having me. Straight Up Dog Talk was created by Emily Breslin. It is edited, produced, and co-hosted by Josh Wasta under the supervision of Straight Up Dog Talk, LLC, and Emily Breslin. If you're enjoying this podcast, Follow or subscribe to be sure you don't miss an episode and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Looking for more honest and relatable dog content? Check out our sister show, Unpacked, with Jerry Sheriff and Madison Simpson. Thanks for listening to Straight Up Dog Talk. See you next week.